It's good to be here this evening. It's good to see you. Uh, enjoyed the service thus far. Uh, enjoyed the service this morning. Uh, appreciate the prayers on, on Lily's behalf. Uh, I think she is getting better today. And uh, there's certainly a lot of other people we're praying for as well, dealing with sickness. Uh, but it, it's, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad to be here. And uh, excited to continue the sermon series this evening on the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Uh, so this is the familiar slides that we've been uh, looking at, and we've come to long-suffering. So we've done the intro, love, joy, peace. Now we're at long-suffering. So that's the topic, that's the fruit we want to look at this evening. Uh, and just a refresh on, on the... Uh, main passage, Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So long-suffering in blue there is the fruit we want to look at. And the three uh, main topics, as we have been doing, uh, three main points are the role of the heart and spirit in producing this fruit. Uh, how long-suffering this fruit manifests itself in our life, and then how producing long-suffering glorifies God. So that's the three main points we will look at this evening. So let's start with number one, the role of the heart and spirit in producing long-suffering. I, uh, uh, I think the very first thing we have to do is understand the fruit, understand what long-suffering is, if we want to produce it from our heart, our heart has to understand the fruit and what exactly God wants us to produce, how he wants us to show long-suffering. And what, what is that? That's not a word we use uh, that often today. So let's look at the word in our King James Version translation. Now, when I think of long-suffering, when I, when I would try and define it, the first word I would say is patience. And I think that's true today. We could call it patience today. And the way we use the word patience today, I think, fits under long-suffering. But the way the word patience is used in the King James Version of our Bible is not the same way that we use or I use the word patience. It's a different word than long-suffering, uh, again, in the King James Version. Um, but if you go to the Greek word, the Greek word uh, for patience uh, in the Bibles we have, the Greek is upomone, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, but it's defined as the temper which does not easily succumb under suffering. So if I had to define that in my words, I would say endurance. And I think uh, a lot of other, or other translations use the word endurance for this Greek word here, upomone. Um, but then the word long-suffering comes from the Greek word makrothumia, uh, and it is defined as the self-restraint which does not hastily retaliate a wrong. And so in a comparison of these two words, one commentary said this, the one, uh, which is translated patience in our Bibles, is opposed to cowardice or despondency. The other, macrothumia, or long-suffering, is opposed to wrath and revenge. So patience is like endurance. It's when you're suffering, you endure through it. You don't give up. You don't uh, back out. You're not a coward. You're not despondent. You don't just give up, but you endure and you're patiently enduring through that suffering or through that trial that you're going through. 
Now the word long-suffering, makathumia, is more of the, uh, opposed to wrath and revenge or hastily retaliating a wrong. So when something is annoying you, you're not quick to act out. You're not quick to retaliate or act out in anger or emotion, an uncontrolled emotion. You suffer long. You uh, have long suffering and you're not quick to retaliate. So that's kind of the focus of long suffering and that's what I'm going to focus on. That definition, the self-restraint which does not hastily retaliate a wrong. Another way to uh, try and figure out uh, the meaning of words in, in our Bible is to look at various translations. So we can do that with the word uh, long-suffering. Exodus 34, verse 6, uh, Brother Levi kind of gave an introduction, a pretty good introduction to uh, my topic tonight on long-suffering when he talked about the nature of God, and he focused on this passage. Uh, so if you read Exodus 34 and 6 in, King, in the King James Version, it says, And the Lord passed by before him, Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. Uh, then if, but if you look at the English Standard, Standard Version, the ESV, uh, that same uh, Hebrew word translated long-suffering is translated slow to anger. And I think that's also an accurate definition of long-suffering. Slow to anger, slow to acting out out of anger. You're long-tempered, not quick-tempered. Uh, that all fits under the definition of long-suffering. You're suffering a long time through something. Uh, Brother Levi also um, gave us some insight into the Hebrew word that is used. Uh, but first, the Greek. The Greek uh, is, is based on two root words, macro and thuo. Macro meaning great, and thuo meaning sacrifice. So a great sacrifice, a long-suffering. That's kind of the Greek word, long-suffering. Now the Hebrew is erik epaim, I think that's uh, how you say that. And as Levi explained to us, it means long of nose. And um, as Levi explained, it, it was an idiom. It was a, a phrase that the Hebrews used to just explain what this meant. And one explanation is that uh, someone with a short nose, their nose can get, when they're angry, you can get hot and red, and, and they have a short nose. They're quick to get red in the nose and hot. But with a longer nose, it, it takes longer for you to get angry or, or to heat the nose, I guess, and then for it to get red, for you to get angry. I guess uh, that's one way of looking at it, uh, one explanation. Uh, I was also looking into it as well, and I found another explanation possible to explain the idiom, and that is uh, someone with a long nose has long nostrils, and so with long nostrils, you have longer breaths. You breathe in and breathe out, whereas someone with a short nose has a shorter nostril, so you think of someone who's angry and upset, you think of someone who's breathing in and out really quick, someone who's kind of you know, huffing and puffing and, and they're upset, but someone with a longer nose has a more measured breath and they're slowly breathing and they're in control and their breath is, is longer. Um, so that's another explanation for what that idiom might have meant. Um, but the general idea is a uh, slow temper, someone who's measured and in, con in control, not quick tempered, not hasty to retaliate. Now, uh, I wanted to bring it into a, maybe a more modern uh, phrase or idiom that we would use today. And so this is what I thought of. Uh, I thought of, of using the idea of someone with a short fuse. 
You know, and that's something that maybe we would click with more because we use that phrase a little more today. But someone with a, a short fuse, someone who's very quick to react, someone who gets annoyed and acts out very quickly. You know, they have a very short fuse and, and they'll blow up um, and they'll retaliate, whether that's bursting out or maybe that's some other form of retaliation. Um, you know, that could be holding it in even and, and holding a grudge against someone. Whatever form of improper response, it's a short fuse and they're quick to retaliate in that way. That's what we want to avoid if we want to produce the good fruit of long-suffering. Um, so again, when that fuse runs out, that is an uncontrolled reaction, an improper reaction. We don't want to be that way. So hopefully that explains the fruit a little more and, and uh, it was helpful for me to understand that and the differences between patience and long-suffering in the King James. Um, second part of this is preparing your heart. You know, so we understand what the fruit is. Now, how do we prepare our heart to produce that fruit? And the best way I could think of to prepare our heart to, to be ready to produce that fruit is to focus on God and to focus on how God perfectly exemplifies this fruit, perfectly shows us how to be long-suffering. Numbers 14, verse 18, again, talks about the nature of God. It says, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. And we'll complete the rest of that verse uh, in a few minutes. Uh, but the first part of this verse just talks about the nature of God. He's long-suffering. He's merciful. He's forgiving. And you think about how God always has been. You read about how God interacted with the Israelites, and you can read about how God led the people out of Egypt. He led his people out of Egypt, out of slavery. He performed miracles for them. He parted the Red Sea. He gave them bread. He gave them food. He gave them water. He uh, gave them clothes that would not wear out. He led them to the promised land. He did all these things and he, he won battles for them. And after all that, they complain over and over again. They complain. They turn their back on God. They don't give him respect. They turn away from him. Over and over, but over and over, you see God is long-suffering. He's patient with them, as we would say. He's forgiving. He doesn't just give up on them, and he wants to sometimes, but he doesn't. He, he shows his anger, but he doesn't give up on them. He's long-suffering over and over. You see just how patient God is. He's extremely long-suffering, and you can see that throughout the Bible. But you can see that in your own life today. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So today, in a more personal way, God is long-suffering with us. He's long-suffering to usward, towards us. He doesn't want any of us to perish. He doesn't, he's not up there just waiting for us to make a mistake and then exact judgment on us. He's not sitting up there hoping that we make a mistake and then blowing up on us. That's not the nature of God. He's extremely long-suffering. So I want to ask you this question. Has God suffered long in your life? Think about your past and, and how we've lived in the past. And I can tell you, I can answer that question myself and say, absolutely, God has suffered for a long time in my life. And I can look back at my past and maybe 
You know, when I was a little younger and, and the, uh, the way I was and the things I did and, and the way I acted, some bad habits I had, so forth, and youthful things, and I think God suffered for a long time in my past, and he's still suffering with me today, uh, hopefully a little less, but I can look back and say definitely God has suffered for a long time in my life by my foolishness and by myself acting out, and I'm thankful that he didn't give up on me. I'm thankful that he didn't get angry with me and blow up and say, that's it, I'm done with you. But over and over, he forgives, he's long-suffering. God has suffered long in all of our lives, and he still suffers when we sin against him and don't act the way we should. So I think the, the best way for us to prepare our hearts to be long-suffering to others is to think about how God has been long-suffering to us. And if we truly appreciate that and understand that and focus on that, it will help us to share that long-suffering with others and with our fellow man. So the role of the heart and spirit is uh, understanding the fruit, preparing our heart, focusing on the long-suffering of God, and letting His Spirit come into our heart, His Spirit of long-suffering come into us and so we can share it with others. Secondly, how does long-suffering manifest itself in our life? What are some practical examples and application of long-suffering in our lives? Um, and I want to first ask this question. How do you relate to this? Is this you? Could you uh, would this uh, define you or, or times? Uh, or has this been you in the past at times? And, you know, I think, uh, I think maybe some people are, are maybe more naturally able to be long-tempered and control their temper and maybe some others uh, are more naturally prone to be quick-tempered but I would also say that I don't think any of us have been perfect in long-suffering in our past our, our patience as we would say today I don't think any of us has ever been perfect in this and there's probably something in all of our lives that really gets to us and just annoys us and, and just causes us to snap sometimes. And I know there are things in my life that pick at me more than maybe you would pick at someone else. And so it causes me some to have to test my patience, test my long-suffering ability. So I tried to think of some things. Um, maybe you could relate. And, and maybe this is some insight into what gets to me uh, but the first thing I thought was pretty obvious, especially where we live, is traffic. And, uh, you know, I, I think, and I think, you know, Brother Keegan brought this up last time about road rage and fighting that happens. Uh, but this is something that does get to me sometimes, especially when there's a lot of traffic and I need to be somewhere. You know, I can be bothered and get upset. And something strange happens, I think, when you get behind the wheel it seems like your fuse is just cut in half. Just like immediately right when you get behind the wheel, you just have a lot shorter fuse than you normally would. And I think part of that is, you know, you, can, you think you can get away with it. You know, if you cut someone off, then you can just drive away and you don't have to face the consequences because you can get out of that situation. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But something about it, it changes some people. Um, so that's a good test for us. How do we react in traffic? Does it get to us? You know, another thing I thought about with this situation, um, I thought, 
you know, if, if there was a spectrum of people uh, and how they deal with traffic, and over here on this end, there was someone with serious road rage, you know, who really had an issue with it, I think on the very far other end would be my Nana. And my Nana, I, I, there was something about the way she drove, just very different than anyone else I've ever ridden with. But I can remember uh, riding in the passenger seat, and she was probably the slowest driver I've ever ridden in the car with. Uh, at least five miles per hour under the speed limit, it seemed, seemed that way. And uh, whenever there was like a green light or a stop sign, she just accelerated very slowly and just took the turn very slowly. And everything was just very gentle and slow. And you know, uh, in the passenger seat, that was a test for me. That was a test for my long suffering. Because in my mind, I was thinking, why are we going so slow? We need to go faster. There are people going around us. And you know, it was, it was tough for me at first. But then I looked over at my Nana and I saw her face. And she was just as pleasant as she could be, just as content you know, and peaceful and people buzzing by her, she wasn't bothered by it. You know, and she was just so meek and gentle and long-suffering. She was not quick to get upset and wanted to be wherever she was trying to go to and just you know, frazzled in the car. That, she was the opposite of that. And so that peace and that gentleness, that meekness, that patience that she had, it swept over to me and suddenly I felt patient and calm and people were driving by and I was okay with it because she was so calm about it, and I felt at peace. So maybe there's something to that. Um, I know there is. We, I need to be more patient when I'm driving. And so maybe we should drive a little bit more like our grandmothers, um, most of our grandmothers perhaps. Um, but that's a good test there, to be long-suffering and patient as a driver. And traffic can be a trigger for us. Uh, kids is another one that, that came up to my mind. Probably wouldn't have three years ago, but uh, it did come up to my mind this time. And uh, I love my kids, of course, and you know that. Uh, but they can also be a test of your patience or your long-suffering. And uh, when you're, especially multiple kids, when you're trying to take care of a baby or change a diaper or something and then there's a, a two-year-old who's tugging on you and, and saying something like, I need a Pop-Tart or, or something, and, and you tell her, no, no, you don't need a Pop-Tart right now, or hold on. But she keeps saying, I need a Pop-Tart, I need a Pop-Tart, and, and you're trying to take care of the baby, and you know, it can be frustrating. It's a test of your patience and your long-suffering, and you can blow up on it and act out and, and act out of anger, or you can act with long-suffering. Uh, so kids, if you don't have any of your own, uh, maybe other people's kids could be a test to you as well. Uh, but that's something uh, that comes up. Personality quirks is another one I thought of. You know, just everyone's different. Everyone has a different personality. And maybe you look at me and you think, why is he that, he, why is he that way? You know, why does he do things like that? Why does he talk like that or act like that? And maybe I look at you and I don't understand you and why you're doing the things that you're doing and acting the way you're doing or why you have that opinion. And 
We have differences of opinions, different personalities, personality quirks, and maybe we can annoy each other sometimes or, or just don't understand each other. I think that's a test of our long-suffering. How do we respond to those differences of personalities? And that would be a test of how long-suffering we are. And then others' behavior. Uh, and similar personality quirks, but on this one I was thinking more uh, if someone is intentionally trying to do us harm. So if someone's intentionally you know, talking bad about us or doing something against us, sinning against us in some way, gossiping, whatever it is, uh, how do we respond in that situation? And that's also a test of our long-suffering. Uh, so those are the four I came up with. I'm sure there are many others and maybe some in your life. Um, but I wanted to bring those up. And so the first thing I think we can do to really uh, help our long-suffering or that we should do to improve the fruit of long-suffering in our life is to lengthen our fuse, uh, to make that fuse longer. Because, uh, you know, that's really the definition of, of the word, being slow to anger. So making that fuse longer before you react uh, and we'll talk about the reaction in a second. Uh, but lengthening the fuse, I think, is the first step. A uh, practical way you can do this is to pause, take a deep breath, and pray to God. You know, that's one practical tactic you can use to lengthen your fuse so you don't react in an improper way. Take a deep breath, like the, the long nostrils, take a deep measured breath, and pray to God. Give God gratitude for his blessings and then pray for strength in this situation. Uh, but in general, we all need to work on lengthening our fuse, being more long-suffering. Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 3 talks about our interaction together. Um, it says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you or urge you that you walk worthy of the vocation or worthy of of the job, the duty that's been put upon you, wherewith you are called. In other words, worthy of Christianity. Paul says, I want you, I urge you to walk or live in a way that's worthy of Christianity. And then he tells us how to do that in verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearance, love, keeping the unity uh, of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Those are all things we have to do with one another. Now, I looked up the word forbearance because it's very similar to long-suffering, so I wanted to kind of explain that one as well. Um, and in the Strong's Concordance for this word forbearance, it, it gave me these uh, phrases. It said, suffer, endure, and I didn't come up with this. It said in the strong concordance, put up with uh, one another. So if you put that phrase in there, it's, it's saying, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, putting up with one another in love. And that's just how it is sometimes. We have to put up with each other, with our different personality quirks, our opinions, whatever it is. Sometimes we have to forbear or put up with each other. You have to put up with me and and my oddness at times, and we have to do that. So if we want to keep the unity of the Spirit, we have to be long-suffering, forbearing one another, 
putting up with each other in love. And I think that was written for a reason because we know uh, our God's spirit knew that there were times that would be difficult to keep that unity. There are times it would be difficult for us to keep that peace within us, but it's our duty to do so. If we want, want to walk worthy of Christianity, we have to practice these things. We have to keep that unity. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 is a similar uh, uh, idea. Here, of course, it's talking about love, the attributes of love. Uh, love, our charity, suffereth long. That's the same root words as long-suffering. And is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puff, uh, puffed up. Uh, so again, love, an attribute of love is long-suffering, suffering long with others. I looked at the commentary for this verse, and uh, I thought it was pretty good, so I copied it here from Albert Barnes' commentary. Uh, he said this, the word used here, macrothumia, denotes longanimity. Uh, slowness to anger or passion, long-suffering, patient endurance, forbearance. It is opposed to haste, to passionate expressions and thoughts, and to irritability. It denotes the state of mind which can be uh, bear long when oppressed, provoked, calumniated, which I had to look up, means slandered, and when one seeks to injure us. So in all these situations when we're oppressed, provoked, annoyed, uh, slandered, or even when someone's seeking to injure us, we have to practice long-suffering. That doesn't give us the right to lash out in anger uh, on them or to hold a grudge against them or to retaliate in whatever way we like to retaliate. We don't have that right to do that even when they're injuring us. We have to be long-suffering. We have to be patient and in control. And so that's the duty of a Christian. Patient, endurance, long-suffering. So I think that's uh, uh, the first step of practicing long-suffering is to lengthen your fuse. But then what happens when you reach the end of the fuse? You know, uh, because long-suffering does not mean we always overlook everything. We just let everything go. I think there's some judgment there. I think maybe if it's a personality quirk and you just think I'm odd and weird and it annoys you, you know, you know, maybe that's a situation where you just let it go and, you know, try to suffer through me and suffer through the way I am. And maybe we have to do that with each other. And we just let it go, give it to God. But if it's something where there's sin involved and I'm sinning in some way, or if it's a situation that, that you just really can't handle or I really can't handle this and I have to address it, then comes the reaction. Then comes the response. And there are many situations where we need to respond. So what do we do then? What happens at the end of the, of the fuse? Well, instead of an uncontrolled reaction, of course, we have to have a controlled response. We have to control that reaction. So when my two-year-old is tugging at my shirt and, and saying things over and over and I tell her no and, and I'm trying to do something else and I have to address the situation, I have to do it in a controlled manner. I've got to make sure I'm calm, I'm in control, I'm not acting out of uh, just anger. There can be anger involved, but it has to be controlled, a controlled reaction, a controlled response. Numbers 14, verse 18, we read the first part of this verse uh, earlier, talking about the nature of God. The Lord is long-suffering of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But the second part of the verse says this, and by no means clearing the guilty, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. God is extremely long-suffering, but that doesn't mean he just overlooks sin. And he just lets us sin and, you know, doesn't care and just lets it go. He takes care of sin, either and he did through Jesus if we live in him. But he doesn't just let it go. He uh, holds us accountable for our actions. And so some things we shouldn't just let go. And sometimes we have to react to situations. And we have to address something, especially if it's a sin problem. So long... Uh, the idea is long-suffering doesn't mean we just let everything go. Some things we may give to God and just suffer through it. Other things we have to address. Proverbs 16, verse 32 says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. So we need to be slow to anger, long-suffering. But we also need to be in control of our spirit. Rule our spirit. Rule our reactions. Control our emotions, control our reactions when we do need to react. And what is it that controls that reaction? Ultimately, it's God's spirit. It's not how we think we should react. It's what does God's word say we should do in this situation? What does God's spirit say to us and how we should respond and react? The controlling factor there is the spirit. It's God's word and his spirit. You know, uh, Long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. It's produced from God's Spirit. So whatever it produces and whatever reactions at the end of the fuse needs to be in the bounds of God's Spirit. And so that's what should guide our reaction. And we should look to God's Word to understand, how do I respond to someone who's sinning against me? How do I respond to my child who is testing my patience? And we can look to God's Word and let that control our response and control our spirit. And it can be a test for us as well to see if my reaction is correct, am I holding this in? Should I not be holding this in? And we can test our actions versus what God's word says. And that's what should control our response. Ephesians 4 verse 26, another example here says, Be ye angry, sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So again, the idea is uh, you can be angry. It's not wrong to have emotion, to have anger, but don't let it cause you to sin. Don't let your emotion control you. Control your emotion. And ultimately, let God's spirit control your emotion and your response. Um, I tried to think of a good analogy uh, for controlling our reaction. And I debated keeping this in or not. But Laura told me to, so I did. Uh, but the, the analogy I could think of, the best one I could think of is Taming a wild horse, you know, taming a wild stallion. And I really don't have much experience at all in, in doing that, or horses in general. Uh, most of my experience comes from TV or something. But if you've ever seen something like this on TV, you, there's a wild stallion or a wild horse, and the rancher's trying to capture that horse and then bring him in and then tame him or break him to where the stallion, you can ride on it and, you know, is subject to that person. Um, that could be uh, similar to our reaction sometimes. Because sometimes our reactions are like a wild animal coming out. And we say things and do things that we regret later on. Uh, we react in, in, in ways we shouldn't. Either we run off and we're upset or we're just there like a horse, you know, rearing back and we're just upset and steaming and, you know, 
Uh, a creature comes out of us sometimes and we're, where we're not in control of that response. And so we have to tame that stallion within us, tame that reaction within us, that emotion within us, that creature that comes out sometimes. We've got to be in control of that response, control that reaction. Let God's Spirit be in our hearts so that it's controlling what's coming out of us, controlling that um, emotion that we want to let out and blow up with. Um, so controlling our action, similar to taming a wild stallion perhaps, um, but the idea is we've got to be in control. We've got to let God's Spirit control our response. So those are some uh, practical things I think we must do to improve our long-suffering. Last point I have is how producing long-suffering glorifies God. Um, the first thing I thought of in this point, main point, was that if we're a long-suffering person, if we're what, would we call, what we would call a patient person today, um, then we really have the ability to help others. You know, if we're someone who is patient, not quick-tempered, not someone who's just going to blow up or get upset or hold a grudge or, or whatever, uh, but someone who's long-tempered, someone who uh, is patient and always uh, gives a controlled response, a measured response. If we're that type of person, then we really are setting up ourselves to be uh, someone that can really help people and someone that um, people will want to go to and to approach for help. But you know, if we're not that way, if we're someone with a short fuse and we just get angry or, or have emotion just pour out of us, we're not able to help others. I mean, who would want to approach someone like this? Someone who they're afraid that they're going to blow up on them. Afraid that they're going to condemn them or or get upset at them, or hold a grudge against them, someone with a short fuse, that's not an approachable person. And I can think back to uh, the various managers or bosses that I've had in my career, my secular career, and there are some that um, I felt very comfortable with. If I made a mistake at my job, I could go to them and explain what I did and explain I made a mistake, and I could trust them that they would help me with that and, and show me how to not make that mistake again, that they wouldn't get too upset with me, but they would understand and we would just work through it together. And I trusted them in that way. But then I've had other managers, other bosses where I was afraid to go to them to tell them I made a mistake here because I wasn't sure how they were going to react. And they were maybe a little more aggressive and you know, more emotional and, and quicker to, to get upset in meetings and whatnot. And, and so I wasn't as comfortable to approach uh, that type of person. And so I think if we improve our reaction, improve our temper, and make our fuse longer, be more patient, be more controlled, then we can really be someone that can help others and uh, be an approach, more approachable person. You know, similar question, what if God was like this? What if we went to God? What if we had to be fearful every time we went to God in prayer with a mistake and we had to fear we weren't sure how God would react if he would just rain fire down on us and just blow up on us and be upset and say I'm done with you and, and just you know spew anger out at, at us or we just you know what if we had to worry about that 
But you know, the, the great thing is we don't have to worry about that. We can go to God uh, trusting that he will listen to us. If we go to him with humility, uh, even with mistakes and, and sins against him, we can go to him with humility and we can know that he's going to forgive, that he's going to forgive us, he's going to be patient, he's not going to blow up, and that's a wonderful thing. We don't have to fear that. You know, not that uh, he doesn't have anger or that he won't ever punish people as we've talked about, but if we go to him in this life with humility, seeking forgiveness, it tells us he's, he's very willing to forgive. We don't have to fear that situation. So we wouldn't want God to be that way, a short-tempered, uh, emotional person. Uh, Galatians 6, verse 1. Now this is the, the very next verse uh, after Galatians 5. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 being the fruit of the Spirit. In the very next chapter, uh, we have this situation. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So here it's saying if someone is overtaken in a fault, perhaps in a sin, um, those who are spiritual and, and uh, able to do so, go restore that person. And then he tells us how to do it in the spirit of meekness, with a meek spirit, considering yourself. So you're not all focused on them saying, uh, you did so wrong, but you consider yourself, making sure you're approaching the situation right, that you're not going to be tempted to sin and do something, uh, act in a way you shouldn't. Uh, so you go to them with meekness. You know, if you went to that person with anger, perhaps what, you know, maybe they even sinned against you, but if you go to them with anger and you're upset and you're just out of control emotion and you just lay into them for whatever they did, that's not going to be very effective in restoring that person. If we're just trying to get it off our chest and we're just upset at that person and what they did to us, but if we go to them in meekness and, and truly try to help them consider our own faults and then go to that person, uh, then we have a chance to restore them. And that should be the goal in approaching someone in that situation. And so I thought that was interesting. That's right after uh, uh, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Uh, but we can really help others if we are long-suffering. And then the last point, uh, if we're long-suffering then we're exemplifying God's spirit. We're being an example to others of who God is and how God is. And we can influence others in that way. Ultimately, it's about glorifying God. Matthew 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And this is true to all the fruits, uh, but true to long-suffering as well. If we show long-suffering, to our neighbors, our friends, family, co-workers, um, and they see that, then they will glorify God if they see God working in our lives. If they see that we're extremely patient, that we're not quick to get upset about a, what, what another co-worker said and start gossiping about what they said or react improperly, get angry and, and react improperly. If they see that we're patient, long-suffering, controlled, measured responses, if they see that, maybe they'll ask us why, but uh, maybe they won't, but they'll notice it. They'll see that in our life. And if they see that we're a God-fearing person, they'll glorify God for it. 
And that's the ultimate goal. We, you know, there's so many benefits in our own lives from being long-suffering. It, it will help us be more at peace. But ultimately, it's about glorifying God. And we want to be that example to others. We want to be God's example to others so that they can see the way God is. And they see us being patient, long-suffering. And they see that we follow God and we get it from God's Spirit. They'll glorify God. And that's what we, we want to do. We want to glorify God. We want them to see God. We want them to come to God. We want to exude God's long-suffering and patience. Last verse I have is Psalm 86, verse 15. Again, about the nature of God. But thou, are you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. I think we can praise God that he is long-suffering. I know he suffered long in my life. Um, I think he suffered long in all of our lives with our sin and our rebellion, uh, the way that we act sometimes. He suffered a long time, but he is so loving, so forgiving, so long-suffering, and we need to show that as well. Uh, at the very least, in gratitude to how he has suffered long in our lives, we should suffer long with each other um, and be patient and gentle with one another. Uh, so that's my um, uh, lesson for you this evening. Again, uh, the ideas here are to lengthen our fuse, you know, practice, uh, let's say tomorrow if you're in traffic, or tomorrow, if you're dealing with uh, uh, an annoying neighbor or family member, whatever situation you're in, if there's a moment where your patience, as we use the word patience today, your long-suffering is tested, let's try and work on that. Uh, let's lengthen our fuse. Let's just suffer a little bit longer the next time and just continue to improve the length of that fuse as we grow as Christians and then, if we need to respond, let's make sure it's a controlled, measured response, controlled by the Spirit of God. Um, so that's my exhortation to you and to myself this evening. Um, uh, we haven't uh, mentioned too much the first principles, but we always want to give an invitation. If there's one here who, who needs to be baptized and, and become a child of God, you can do that. Or if there's one here who needs the prayers of the church, whether it be to be more long-suffering or, or whatever it is in your life, uh, we can pray for you this evening. So if there's one of you in the class, please come forward.